you were saying your house burnt down? Yes. What caused the fire? That's something is they've kept confidential, whether it's something with the condo people's fault or something. I'm not sure, but they, maybe they kept it confidential because all the people in the place will complain and just, we lost a lot of, like I lost a lot of, lot of stuff. I maybe had a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. Maybe got screwed out of $75,000 just, just with STI wasn't insured enough. And then they charge this company that comes in there for two days work. They document everything and clean everything out. And they, uh, they charge 35,000 and that comes off your contents yet. So, and I still got to pay my mortgage and I got to pay condo fees for a place I'm not living in. But SGI, they did pay me for a condo apartment, so they did compliment me that way. But oh man, it's been it it's been hell. <laughs> How you been getting through it? I've learned lessons from it, like I said, like not to be materialistic and stuff like that. I'm good at saving money now. Before I wasn't, I'd always buy things, and so now I. I actually implemented a program, save some, give some, and spend some. That's my implemented program. Where'd you learn that? I just learned it automatically. I, uh, I like to be reminded because I kind of felt like I was homeless. Like, like all I had out of that fire was just the clothing I was wearing on me, right? So it kind of felt like I was homeless. So I like to be reminded of that feeling. So I like to donate money to the food bank or whatever. I, that's my donation. So it will always remind me, but for some reason I find that's the perfect balance in life is save some, give some, spend some, because you don't want to be one or the other way too, too much. You don't want to save too much. Cause I, I seen what happens to people like my aunt all her life. She saved every little penny ends up she has like over a million and some dollars dies of cancer so what good is it if you save money and never enjoy your life so it's good to balance i find balance is key man and you just did this automatically yeah just i my personality type is like i'm a introvert and an empath so i spend a lot of time in my my feelings and myself, and then I, I learn, learn from those situations. I learned that I was materialistic or whatever. I, every paycheck I'd be like always ready to buy something or have my credit cards racked up, right? I'd buy stuff and I thought that was my happiness, like buying materialistic things. And then when I got everything was taken away from me, I realized that me just going to the gym, swimming, running, do, that is my happiness. As long as I'm doing that stuff, you know, I'm happy inside. It's because when you get into a cycle where you're buying stuff, I mean, sure, it makes you happy. You say you buy something, but that happiness will go away. That's temporary happiness. The happiness is what you're doing inside. Oh yeah. So it, before it was all external. You Ex get this external, yeah. And it uh, 
it wasn't a good feeling. Like, like say you have 10,000 racked up on your credit cards. It's a whole horrible feeling. Yeah. That's a heavy weight. Yeah, exactly. You always got to worry about that. Now, for some reason, my everything's paid off. Uh, like I said, I'm saving, I'm spending, and I'm giving. That's the perfect balance. When did you start doing that then? I started realizing that maybe, like I had to sit in all this stuff. I had, when that fire happened, I had major anxiety, major stress. So it was me being able to, I was able to t discern what was causing all the stress and anxiety on me. <laughs> there's, there's lots of things that were causing, like being an empath, your sensitivity levels cranked up. So you're highly emotional, right? So even stuff like me being on social media, it's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I quit that. I quit being on Facebook and stuff like that because it, it caused stress and anxiety on my brain. Caused me to, like when you're on there constantly posting, you're, you're becoming a people pleaser. So, and you lose yourself when you do that. If you can get to the point where you're just working on yourself, it's much better. So this fire took everything away from you and then you found. I found something else. I like, I'm happy and more peaceful inside now. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It just like you figure you'd lose stuff like that and it's a nightmare, but being less materialistic is is better. Like some of these guys I'd always read about, like I didn't know what they were talking about. Like don't worry about the future or behind or whatever and just just live like today's your last day. And then your workouts are better and you feel like you accomplished something. But if you you don't want to worry about the next day i'm still not perfect in those areas but i'm working on it i always work for self-improvement so you're able now to live in the present moment a yes. majority of the time yeah i try to it's whatever causes less stress or anxiety because it was a nightmare when i had all that stress anxiety it caused me not to sleep properly so what caused the stress and anxiety <sighs> I don't know, just a bunch of stuff piled up before that fire. Just a girl was messing with me. And then my, one of my favorite relatives died, my grandma. And then my house caught on fire. It just, when stuff hits, it hits. Yeah, but you <laughs> came out better. I came out better, yeah. I, uh, I learned, me for all my life, I've learned the bad stuff that has happened to me. I always come out better. Even for me, from younger, being a kid, being bullied and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you used to get bullied? Used to get bullied. Yeah, from uh, all the way up to grade nine. I was, uh, I was a quiet kid. I barely spoke. Like right now, I even have a hard time talking to you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm much better than I was before. Maybe it was martial arts, but... Yeah, I was uh, quiet. In grade three, they were going to put me in one of those special classes because I, I never spoke a word. But they, they found out once I took the tests, I was actually smart. You were just observing. Yeah, I was an introvert and an empath. Yeah, so I just, <laughs> I had a hard time. Yeah, being, I always have a hard time being around people. I can do one-on-one. -on -one. I still like that. I'm like that. I can't be in big crowds or nothing. I 
it drains my energy. How did you recognize that? Yeah, just kind of just absorbing and learning as I go throughout the future that, that, especially when the fire happened, because I was forced to live with my sister and her husband. Yeah. So when I was forced to live like that from being alone, it just like my head just, it was worse. And then when I got into that apartment by myself, it was like, boom, I've, I'm clear. I got so much energy. So then I started realize, started studying introverts. And now I'm just learning more about empaths, how to control that ability because, (laughs) because that, uh, yeah, that fire did lots to me, man. Yeah. So then what's this empath? Empath is a highly sensitive person. So you're highly emotional. So how do you manage your emotions then? Ah, it's kind of weird. You, you can take what happens with an empath is you take on other people's emotions. So if I'm in a room with a bunch of angry people, I can, I can feel that right inside of you. Yes. Do you get angry? I feel like I'm angry, but it's off at other people. You can control yourself too. Like I I was 240 pounds before and that's how I can control my diets and stuff. I, I eat the right stuff, but I can, I can sense inside of me because my sensitivity. So if I'm eating the wrong things, I'm going to feel horrible. So you have this internal assessment going on all the time. All the time. I know if I'm eating the right kind of diet, my brain will be clear and it will just be sharp focus. Yeah. But, but if I'm eating the wrong things, it just, really, just foggy and stuff. So what are some of the wrong things you'd be eating? Like processed food. It's bad. So a lot of my diet, I created my own system, but it's, it's mostly pescatarian. I eat salmon every day. I eat organic eggs and then I eat like organic vegetables. And you notice how much of a difference? I noticed so much of a difference. I played with diets for seven years, but I, the most thing about diets is what I learned is never be stuck in a diet. Just create your own diet for your body. Everybody's different. Find what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. So so everybody's different. Yeah. But that seems to work the best with me being a, and believe me, I never started eating fish till 35. Oh, really? I hated, (laughs) I I did not like fish. I had to force to eat it. So what made you force yourself to eat it then? I was plant-based. I was in a triathlon and I entered that triathlon with hypothermia. I didn't want to bail out because... That was at a time I was worried about what other people thought of me. I was more of a people pleaser. Yeah. So uh, I entered that triathlon and it happened to be the worst weather ever. 70K winds, rain coming down. So I entered that triathlon and we go in in the lake and it was about 500 meters in. And I started blacking out and going under. And then. <laughs> The lifeguard pulled me up and she gave me a minute and said, do you want to continue? And some voice, it just like it popped in my head. The only person you got to beat is yourself because I was always about beating the other guy. But that lesson I learned, the only person you got to beat is yourself. And oh, it was, it was tough. I continued the race. I had to swim the other 
thousand meters out of the water and then get on a bike, bike 40k into the wind and then get and then put on my shoes and run another 10k. But I could not feel my hands, I could not feel my legs. What but caused I, the hypothermia? I had hypothermia to begin with in training. So when it, you arrived race day, you were already hypothermic? Yeah, I was shaking on the shore. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> I have no idea. They all told me I shouldn't have done it, but but that was the best race I've ever ran in my life. I don't think I could assimilate it because you want to go through those tough challenges. And if I would have quit that race, it would have it would have weakened my mind. But because I completed that race, it just made me mentally stronger. Within reason, of course, because you're, right. you're, you're still alive today, yeah. thank goodness. Yeah, I don't think I'd do it again <laughs> because not. I suffered for a, for a month. Yeah, I like even going into the swimming pool water, I'd be shaking a month after. And then just because I was cold... And then that's that's uh, that's where I figured maybe that diet was too weak for me being plant based. It uh, I was down to 140 pounds. I was deteriorated away. How I, tall are you? I'm about five eleven. Okay, this yeah. makes more sense. All right, so yeah. you were underweight. I think I was underweight for that competition, but I I designed it to that way because it would make me faster. It was a Canadian a world qualifier to make the Canadian team. <laughs> but like I, like I said, after that, it was, it was about me just beating me in that race. I was just racing myself. I don't need, I never even checked the results where I ended up. I just, that was my mission just to get past the finish line, whatever it took. It was the best feeling ever, man. I, uh, I felt deadly. My, 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 I, I felt like I could do anything after that event. Yeah, well, you felt as if you were going to die at 500 yeah. meters into a swim. Yeah, and I, and I learned my lesson that <laughs> that's how we should be. We should be competing against ourselves. We shouldn't be worried about the other guy. Yeah, it's your own race. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how I've taken it since then. Yeah. Yeah, I'm never, not, never really interested in racing anymore, competition. For me, setting a challenge like maybe tomorrow I'll run like a 30K run or something. I like doing it as a self-discipline thing now. Oh, something to push yourself. Just on myself. I don't care about the competition. Competition's just a party for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the way I see it, yeah. But I, th I think being self-disciplined is more valuable. Yeah, because you get to do more later on. Yeah. Because you develop those good habits. Yeah. It's because I see people racing and they just sign up for the race. And once they're done the, the race, they're done. They like, they're done training. They just do it for the race. Yeah. It's not a lifestyle yeah. anymore. Yeah. I do it for the self-discipline. Yeah. So you'd be doing it any, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, but, oh yeah. But that's exactly why I started. That's where salmon came in. Cause I felt like my heart was hurting. Right. So I Googled what was good for your heart, salmon. So I start, I forced myself to eat salmon. I did not like salmon. A person that never ate fish. <laughs> but but you, you knew it was good for you. I knew it was good for me. How were the first few days of forcing yourself to eat it? It was, I wanted to puke. <laughs> I was not a fish person, but now I'm, uh, I am a fish person. Yeah, I love fish. 
(laughs) You really wanted it. Yeah, I really wanted it. I knew the benefits of salmon. Hey, when you were talking about the spending you used to do, what did you used to buy? Oh, I was addicted to jerseys was a bad thing. I must have had like 200 jerseys. (laughs) Action figures, I was bad with. So collectibles? Collectibles, I was bad with, yeah. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that. Like you'd get into a habit, like you'd get this action figure and then the next you'd be waiting for the next paycheck, get the next one. Then all of a sudden you got all these action figures and there's no point in it. You're just on that treadmill buying, buying. Yeah. Even gym equipment, I was addicted to buying. Now it's like, I'm just going to get a membership and wreck the gym's equipment. (laughs) I went through three treadmills before. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you actually lost a lot of sentimental items. Oh, yeah. The the best place I lost, like I had my own martial arts dojo in the basement. I spent a lot of time there. Yeah. I, uh, I had stuff shipped over from Wushu temples in China wooden dummies and stuff like that and i'll never be able to get that stuff again it just uh the shipping costs would be outrageous but now i just i part of me did get sad for a while when i was living in that small apartment is like oh man i can't do martial arts anymore and then then it was like i'd clear that living room out and is like you know what i can do karate karate just needs a floor that's all you need is a floor (laughs) that's what i love about karate you don't need materialistic things to do kata or our action yeah karate's awesome (laughs) so you didn't wallow you just kept moving forward yeah i just kept moving once i started martial arts is my main thing that that is my background. I love martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like that's the consistent part of your life, though. It, it's it's from the beginning as martial arts. Yeah. I know from the beginning, traditional martial arts, what it means. It means master yourself. Once you master yourself, you become a peaceful warrior. So that's what a traditional martial artist believes in. And a lot of them will live 90-some and still function well. Probably by removing some of those stresses, yeah. as you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get caught into martial. I, I could spend the whole day more. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all on my, a lot of it, it's on my own. Yeah. So you already had a lot of things the fire couldn't take away from you. Yeah, that, that's what I learned exactly, Tony, that the fire didn't take anything away from me. I still got all these skills inside of me. It's me getting up don't feel sorry for myself and keep going at it. Keep swimming, keep running and keep doing martial arts. That fire was sort of a filter. It just got all the the chaff out of the way. It got rid of all the bad stuff. Yeah. The bad habits I was doing that was causing stress and anxiety in my life. It was crazy, man. It is. It is because when you describe it, yeah. If somebody loses a hundred K worth of stuff and everything that they ever own. Yeah. That's tragic. It's tragic, yeah. Every everyone was wondering why why am I still happy like two months later? <laughs> it's you... because I didn't lose my stuff. This is my house. My body is my house. Yeah, that's the way I see it as a martial artist. And you're being able to carry it forward. Yeah. Now that you have a new place and everything. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't have a new place yet, but they're, they're rebuilding. And then when I'm, it's a townhouse, it's a big place, right? So when they rebuild it, I've even went down to that mode is like, do I really need a big place? I love this small apartment life. It's just simple. So you haven't filled up your apartment. I'm still living in the rented apartment while they're rebuilding the other place. So when they rebuild it, I'm going to try and sell it and downsize. I want to downsize. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> because I like that style of life. It's kind of crazy. I'm doing karate in the living room while I'm cooking in the stoves right there and doing laundry at the same time before it was like going up and down stairs. Oh, everything's easily accessible. It's yes. <laughs> the simpler my life can be, the less stressful it will be. That's, yeah. that's the way I see it. Yeah. And that's the way I want it. It's so strange looking from the outside. So that fire actually, I don't, I'm sorry if I insult you. It was kind of a good thing. It was. I, that's the way I see it, Tony. Most people always come and come and say the opposite thing to me that they like, I should feel so bad or. No, you can tell, you tell me how you feel. I'm not going to tell you how you should feel. I feel good. That's amazing. I always take those lessons as a learning lesson. It just. In the long run, I'll be able to save, like I said, save money. Like I could never do that before because I always had my credit cards racked up, man. Well, you lost everything and then you got out of debt. And yeah. now you're not buying any excessive things. Yeah, I, and, I, and, I, and the thing is now I know exactly what I need. I, I know I'm a runner, so I'll, I'll spend money on running like shoes and I'm a swimmer. I'd like I'll spend the money on swimming and then... But that's, I just stick to those martial arts and all that stuff. And I know what I need now. <laughs> you know exactly where your priorities are. Yeah. Right? Now I know not to waste money on, on stupid stuff. Yeah. But at the time it didn't feel stupid. It didn't. A person doesn't know that like we're brought in a society. We're brought up in a society where we collect junk. We, we do. We collect junk more stuff than we actually need to have. Yeah. You got it thrown in your face with yeah. the fire then, and clearly it worked out. Yeah, it taught me a lot. I love, I love living in those things. I, I don't know what it is with me. I just, yeah, even getting beat up, I love living in those moments that I just love, yeah, all the, the lessons that you learned from yeah, it. Yeah, I, like I would have never, I was the weakest kid in North Battleford. It, it just... It wouldn't have pushed me. It just, it pushed me to some days where I'd do like 10 hours training a day. Just, it was crazy. Just to get out of it. Just to get out of it. And there's a long story behind that one too. It just, it was crazy. I just kept getting attacked even though I got tougher and tougher. Because I don't look like a fighter. I'm just a weak, weaker guy, but... Uh, so I had to prove it in North Battleford, and there there was a tournament, a top man, North Battleford's toughest man, <laughs> toughest man. So I figured I'd enter it, and that was the way to stop the beating, and I won. What? <laughs> yeah, I won. <laughs> yeah, I, but there was people talking me out of me, calling my family that I'm going to end up in the hospital and everything. I got hit twice. I fought like two or three times to win the championship got hit twice my defense was so good i was on a on a wild streak but after that everyone left me alone in that town when you're in a small town like that everybody knows who you are 
that's just the that's how it is that's a scene from a movie yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's all i did was want to be left alone and have peace that's so you didn't want to get back at somebody just just have peace yeah that's it yeah i'd be left alone and not hassled on the streets and (laughs) (laughs) yeah that place is crazy man yeah so what do you do for peace now then me, I just, I, I do martial arts just for that reason, just like karate and stuff like that, kata. Yeah. It just seems to relax the mind. And and I read lots now. That was that was kind of New Year's resolution. Before I go to bed, I always read two hours a night. A physical book? Uh, usually audible, audible. I like audible better. Oh, so audiobook. You listen uh, to a book? Audiobooks, yeah. yeah okay. For some reason, I like audio. Yeah. But like being an empath, I know what that does to you. It it activates both sides of your brain, but reading will activate the left side of your brain only, reading a physical book. Interesting. So yeah. when you listen to it, yeah, that makes sense because we're story-based creatures. Yes. Before written language. Yeah. I believe that is the most important thing now, wisdom. Yeah. Owning wisdom, yeah. Absolutely. When you got wisdom, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, that's how you manage money. Because because if a dumb person gets money, they're they're gonna spend it. But if you got wisdom, you'll you'll be. Well, they're able not to, dumb. They just don't know yet. They don't know yet. Yeah, you need wisdom. Wisdom is the most important thing before anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe in that. Yeah. Well, you actually got it proven to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So then, what's this? Okay, you were telling me that you do this evaporator thing. Right. What is that? An evaporator is it it's a it's a big huge machine like like I'd say it's about fifty feet tall, fifty feet tall, and there's like ten pumps around it, and each cycle through the pass, what we're doing is pulling in either skim milk or we're pu- pulling in whey, and we're taking water off the product. And it's going through these passes and each layer takes, makes it thicker and builds the bricks or solids. So when we get to the solids proper enough, we send it to a balance tank and then it goes up through a high pressure pump to the top of a, like the dryer is probably 70 feet high, goes through these four lances and then I control the everything the heat from the top of these inlet things to the outlet heat it's run on a big huge burner inside it's a big dryer i control the winds and then i create the moisture out of the powder and it goes through a whole process lines goes through bag house socks to knock and make the powder because if it comes out it comes out clumpy so it has to go through all this system to break it down and then it goes into a bagging area and people bag it and it turns into either whey powder or skim milk powder <laughs> oh, so it starts as skim milk liquid if we're doing skim i'm the one there's a separator like raw milk comes in from the farmers right so then i run it through a separator and it separates the cream sends that to a silo and then the skim is comes to me how does the separator do that? There's so many plates in there and they're spinning like 
Like we're talking fast, like a thousand RPMs. It's crazy, man. So it's using centrifugal force to yeah. get rid of some of the milk fat. Yeah, and then it gets rid. It separates the milk and the skim. Yeah. Where does the cream go to? It goes into a silo, and then it gets shipped off. They sell the cream in uh, up in Red Deer. Okay. Yeah. And then you get the skim milk, and, and then turn it into powder, and then that gets shipped overseas it's more big overseas the skim milk powder yeah skim milk powder interesting so you get the skim milk now where does it run through what's the next step skim milk goes into the evaporator it gets cooled it gets heated through presses there's so many processes through it yeah and you have to manage all these processes <laughs> i gotta look at all this stuff but a lot of it a lot of it's done by me listening and looking at screens or whatever once you got it under control it's like you're just watching screens. It's not physically hard, but... Well, it's got to be mentally difficult, though. It can be, yeah. It took me a long time. you got to be relaxed and calm to work on a job like that. Because if you get overstressed or something, it seems like those people screw up lots. <laughs> <laughs> so what situation would you need to manage your stress level then? What's happening? Maybe power outages. you got to turn so many dials off. Dryer fires inside the dryer can catch on fire. <laughs> I'm yet to have one, so I have no experience in it. I always am good at watching. I always find if you're doing your checks, you're good. Yeah, so what made you get into working the evaporator? It's a random job. It was a, I, uh, I came off the drilling rigs, and then, yeah, I met a girl here in Saskatoon or whatever, and we lived together. She didn't want me going back to the rigs. Which I love the rigs. I, I love that physically hard work. So I got ended up throwing in resumes and I didn't even know what I was throwing. I thought I was applying at a pasta place. <laughs> Saputo. Would, you'd think it's like a pasta place. <laughs> and then uh, my old boxing coach was there and he, and he got me a job. And then, yeah, just randomly, I got thrown into it, like operating that job. I, I'm normally, I'm a person, I'm petrified to... But I just, I, I have to be thrown into something and just do it. So you were scared to start that job? Oh, there's so much to it. Yeah, I was scared to do it. Yeah. How was the training process? What did you learn along the way? Ah, uh, I learned lots of stuff. I learned from an old guy. He was an older guy that was on it. He was a nerdy guy. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, he, he made me read books. That that was my training at the start, reading books, and and uh, I'm still learning. I, I never want to say, I never ever want to get confident and say, I know that job. That's my one rule is I'm still learning. The evaporator is the hardest to learn because there's so many pieces to it, and I'm still learning. There's like, if you got a problem in there, like a plug up somewhere, it could be a needle in a haystack. You can be searching all night, ripping pumps apart. Could be vacuum pumps because everything's on vacuum too, eh? It's a big motor. That's how the product has to be completely vacuumed because if there's air that gets in there, everything will plug up. So it runs through to the evaporator. That's the first step. That's the first liquid. step, yeah. And then what's the next step? Like once it goes through the out of the evaporator, yeah. all the 10 passes, it, it goes into a dryer balance tank. Okay, so Just what's the balance tank? 
it's just there's if we're doing skim it's a smaller one maybe it only holds 100 liters but if we're going into a crystallizer that can hold 25,000 liters <gasps> that's the way where the way goes in yeah but the skim you have to usually start it up on 50 liters and then then once you start it up you're pulling out of that dryer balance tank and sending up through these high pressure pump, like it's a high pressure pump system. And it runs all the way up these lines into these four nozzles into the top of the dryer. The dryer's up, like I said, about 75 feet or whatever. And it, uh, that high pressure pump's pressing so hard that it's pushing it through the little pinhole, like, like it's a small pinhole out of those nozzles. Oh, so at this point, what's it pushing through? Is, is it's pushing through that, the evaporated, uh, Oh, so it's powder now. It's a uh, liquid going into the top of the dryer. But once it goes, once I control the inlet heat, the inlet, I usually like it's 95 degrees hot. Oh, really? Yeah. It has to be that hot to burn off the excess of water. Cause if you get a dryer wet, that thing's plugged. And then the winds are controlling it as the powder comes down the dryer and there's bangers on the side, these hammers that bang it down, comes to the bottom and then out through these lines. But I can control the winds, the heat, the, the heat, the burner on the bottom, all that stuff. There's a static bed that bounces the powder to get the excess of water off if there is. So then what are the steps? It goes through the evaporator, then it goes through the, sh the, the chutes to go to the balance tank. Yeah. And then from the balance tank, it's going to spit out at high pressure through these thin, small nozzles. Yeah. And then it'll go where there's the winds and you can control the heat from up top. Yeah. And the bottom. And the bottom. Yeah. And the, and the pulse is on the side of the dryer. <laughs> What's the pulse? The pulse, pulses are just those ham, hammers. Because oh, yeah. so if you don't have up. those things banging, it's going to catch on the sides and stick on the sides and then plug up. And then what was that static thing you were talking about? Static beds, just it, it bounces. So the powder will lay down on the bottom, bounce, and then it bounces out through these lines and then goes through a whole line system. So that's after it's gone out the nozzle, it's been heated, and it's gone through that the tubes where it gets banged around then yeah. it finally hits the static bed static bed yeah and then then it goes down to into the it goes out a conveying line and then some powder goes through bag houses and those things pulse to break up the clunky powder because you can't have clunky powder so it's it's continually getting broken up along broken down the along the way and then it comes through a shaker in at the end and then into a bagging system yet it fills into a hopper and then he just presses the button he sets his bag 50 pound bags bags it seals it and then a robotic arm stacks it oh so when it bags this is the final product yeah and then are we put it into totes a thousand kg totes what's a tote like it, it's a, a big bag that holds a thousand kg. Oh, and would you put this on a pallet or something? Uh, yeah, it goes on a pallet. It, it, that, that job is easy. If the bagger's got totes, he just presses a button. And waits for that thousand <laughs> yeah, kg to go yeah. down. <laughs> he likes that. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't like bag. My, the old style, I bagged before, but it was different. It was like sewing the bag shot, 50 pound bags, stacking them yourself. How would you sew it? And there was a sewing machine gun, and then you'd sew the bag across. Oh, so you have to hold the bag while it fills. Yeah. 
and then you saw it. Your hands were sore after a shift and then stacking on a pallet. But now we got that real body arm that picks up the bag, stacks <laughs> it. It's much easier now. For so a, the automation's made it a little better? Yeah. That, they plan on doing that with the dryer, making it more automated style. So then with the whey powder then, how does that work? What do you mean? Or so you said you get skim that will come through. So skim milk will come through. Skim will come through. Or we do whey. Whey goes So what's the, whey? Whey comes off cheese. Okay. Yeah. Before we used to, a long time ago, we used to dump that down the drain. It was a waste. But now they run it through a whole system. Some other guy runs the stuff that comes down from cheese. And then you can get whey cream out of it, permeate. You can get so much different products of it and... The way goes to me, and then I draw the way from the silo. But he activates that process. Okay, and then once you get the way, you make it into powder. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I make the way into powder. Same as skim. It's oh, same as skim. Okay, so you can get. But skim is me taking the raw product and then separating the cream from. So I'm doing more stuff when I'm doing skim. Skim's actually harder to do, but uh, but with the way it's the product's all ready to go, I just have to evaporate it and then dry it. So what's the difficulty with separating the skim from the cream? There's just more stuff to watch, more stuff to control, and then just skim is harder. What do you have to watch for? Ah, oh, the separator sometimes like. Like it will run 2,500 seconds and then it does a water shoot through the separator. So when it does a water shoot, it that water shoot affects the evaporator. So my solids go up and down all night like that on the evaporator. So I constantly got to adjust. And when I'm doing whey... It's just simple. It's one straight line. Yeah. yeah. So you have to manage the amount of solids that are coming through yeah. from the separator. Yeah. What's a stressful moment for you? Oh, I've went through lots of stuff. I, I'm yet to go through a fire, but people say that is the most. <laughs> I've had plug ups. Plug ups suck. Like I plugged up lines on the dryer side and then your day is just like chiseling away all day powders coming down oh you're in there yeah i've had dryer plug-ups too where i'm in there and then then when you're inside the dryer it's like oh it's like 80 degrees hot and you're breaking down these chunks and is the machines off at the point oh yeah they're off but it's still like it's hot yeah from the burner and stuff (laughs) i've had bad days i'd say plug-ups are the worst even the evaporator if that skim milk liquid plugs up it's like sticky and hard and you're chiseling away with screwdrivers. Really? Your day's hard. But if everything's running good, like I said, on your job, you're just walking through, looking at controls, just making sure and you're watching a computer screen. You're not physically doing too much if everything's running good. How preventable are these clog ups that you have to They're pretty on? good. I always find if you're doing your checks... You, you do all your checks and make sure, as long as you're checking, but I find the person that gets in trouble is the more overconfident person. Is uh, those people, those overconfident people are the people taking the longer breaks or something like that, not watching the equipment. Those are the people that get in trouble. You never want to get overconfident on that job. Yeah, you get a little complacent. Yeah. And that could put you back. How long would it take you to unclog something? 
say if I got a line clog like a cyclone, that some there's there's some days that took us 16 hours to chisel that away. Yeah. Dryer plug ups, we were down for 24 hours. If you get a dryer fire, you're down pretty much two days. You're cleaning stuff out. Yeah. So <laughs> so you are repeatedly getting checked to be humble every time you're at work. Yeah, I always want to be humble. That's that that's my goal. Just stay humble and and that's the way to you never want to be over I I find that works in life too. Never get overconfident. Stay humble. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you develop the humbleness from? Boxing humbled me because there was a stage when I was a boxer and I kind of had like a little bit of an ego, angry attitude. And then my sparring partner was a Canadian champion. So when I went in there with that angry attitude, I got, I got beat. I got beat down. So I learned to be, be humble. Yeah. He was one of the nicest guys ever. Joe, Joe LeClaire. Yeah. But, but uh, that's, that's what you'll find in martial arts places. You'll find like the best fighter is the nicest guy in the gym. Those tough guys never last. They, they have too much ego and they're too angry. That's that's a disadvantage in fighting. Yeah, well, you're not learning a lot. You're not in control. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I learned that in, like martial arts taught me so much in life. Get some self-discipline. Yeah, confidence so, levels and it, it's good. So much I got taught. <laughs> so you got the self-discipline in your regular life. Yeah. And then at work now, yeah. on top of that, this thing is making sure that you are not complacent and you continue to do all your checks. Yeah. Yeah, as long as everything's running good, you'll catch me. You'll I'll be doing katas at work or practicing martial <laughs> arts. I I find it relaxes me and keeps me focused. Yeah, well you get a big payoff if you watch the machine properly. Yeah. You can do your own thing. Yeah, I can do my own thing, maybe read a book or something if something's going good and but yeah, I always do my checks and never get overconfident. Yeah. And always say I'm learning. I'm always learning. So I, what have you learned this year about the evaporator? The evaporator. Or that whole process. This year I haven't, not a lot, but just, just stay focused, do my checks, stay humble, those type of things. Yeah. What was unexpected when you first started the job? Oh, I, I was petrified to do it. I, uh. I pretty much got pushed into it. I was doing a different job, like a simple yogurt machine job where you just watched like these cups go by and then they were laying off people. So they threw me down in this other end of the building and they, they pretty much told me if I don't take this job, I'm going to get laid off. So I had really no option. And I remember that supervisor told me it's just like that one yogurt machine it's just a big yogurt <laughs> when i looked at all this big stuff is like holy man i i'm stressed i got so much anxiety <laughs> but sometimes that's I, I feel that's good sometimes when you're scared and stressed i'd rather be that type of person because i figure you try harder you you pay more attention yeah, when you know you don't yeah. have an advantage. Yeah, when I see some of these kids come in nowadays, they just 
they're overconfident with things and those are the ones that ca cause all the the accidents they're not paying attention transferring cream creams going everywhere they never don't have stuff hooked up or yeah those overconfident people is never good it's better being cautious and scared I think or just you, to double check. Yeah, you try harder. I've always been that way, cautious and scared. Yeah. It, well, it forces me to go harder. Even with fighting, I was that way too. I was I was scared, so I'd always have to work hard. I felt like I had to work harder than somebody. I always had to study more. Well, I wouldn't say you're scared because you have the courage to overcome it. Yeah. Because <laughs> really, fear or courage... You got to face it. Yeah, well, courage is just when desire yeah. is greater than fear. Right. <laughs> so that you actually have a healthy amount of fear in you as long as you have greater desire. Right. <laughs> so what happens when you're there and things start going wrong? Stay relaxed. I uh, always stay relaxed because if, if you... I. That's usually my how I am on the dryer evaporating. Maybe big, massive things are happening. And if I start getting panicky, and then, then I don't know what to do, right? But if yeah. I stay relaxed, I can stay focused and then find that problem quicker. But so you when you're get... panicked and stuff like that, like you can't think properly. You got to be relaxed on when you're operating heavy equipment like that. And then you can find the problem quicker. But if you let yourself get stressed or anxiety, all that, you'll, you'll never figure it out. What's the fastest problem you found? Ah, just like plug-ups ahead of time. Actually, a couple weeks ago, something did happen. There was a guy that shut down the equipment. And then the, he uh, he never checked inside of it. And there was burning coals in there. And I came in and I just randomly walked up and I'm just, you know, checking it before I'm doing the washes and then looked in and there's burning coals. So I had to react quick. If I turn the blowing stuff on that, it's going to flame, right? So I had to think quick, grab the ladder, grab a pail with a little bit of water, grab some gloves and then carefully pick up those coals and then get out, get out of the dryer because that dryer is sensitive. There's automatic pressure water that can come down on you and spray are, are, like I said, it could just flame right up. So I had to think quick. So I stopped the fire and we were okay. Yeah, <laughs> that type of stuff. But if I never checked that dryer for some reason, it would have been nasty if I would have turned back on the blowing controls and oh, because you just started your shift. I just started my shift. He said he shut down like an hour ago, and for me, I just randomly check stuff like that for some reason, and <laughs> I randomly see burning coals on the dryer. Somebody else would have just showed up, machine shut off. Kate, okay, let's turn it back on, get it going. Yeah, and then start a fire. Yeah, <laughs> you got some killer intuition. Yeah. <laughs> I find, yeah, that I find if I'm checking stuff, then, because I know exactly when you're, when something, when you have a problem on the dryer, you can spend the whole day, 12 hours, and it's nasty, and it sucks, or you can make it easy and just do that simple little check <laughs> and prevent these things from happening.
Yeah, you're about prevention then in this. That's it, more my attitude. I'm better at preventing, looking and checking stuff. And that's why I don't have no problems. I, I'm an operator. They feel comfortable when I'm on. That's what the supervisors always tell me. Well, yeah, because you're, you're going that extra mile though. Right. That's good. I find it's not the extra mile. I just find it. I'm saving myself <laughs> from disaster. Yeah, that's that's the way I see it. Yeah, you get a high return on that I, little investment. Because I know what it's like being in a dryer, in and out, shoveling it for 12 hours. You're soaking wet, man. It's like, like a sauna. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, because you're breathing in that warm yeah. air too. Yeah. I never get disappointed. I just always, I'm happy and I'll just do it or whatever. Well, how do you it's, keep going when you're in that dryer for so long and that heat is getting to you? <laughs> what are you thinking while this is happening? You have to come in and out and then you got to have people man with somebody watching you just in case you pass out down there and stuff. There's, there's procedures for when stuff like that happens, but you can only be in so long. So what's yeah. the procedure if this happens? I'd roughly say 10, 15 minutes in and out. You come in and out. Maybe the next guy goes in. Oh, how many guys would be working on this? Two or three. But there's always one person. Yeah. Wa- yeah. Watching. On the outside watching. Out watching, checking. Yeah. Just in case. You never know if you're doing it yourself. You could pass out down there and then who knows? No one. You're dead. Yeah. And nobody checks. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the scary thing. You got to you gotta make sure you're doing that properly. <laughs> so you actually you have to always be on good protocol yeah so this yeah. machine's pretty dangerous it can be yeah like if you got powder plug-ups too like things could explode what like like there's there's powder going through all this line system right yep. and if things clog up it could explode yeah so you got to be careful is it because all the pressure all or? the pressure can explode stuff yeah but there is Proper procedures like the dryer itself has these things called blowout doors. So they're doors that are connected outside. So if something does back pressure, boom, these doors will just bust open and there you go. The pressure is released. Oh, they're made to blow out. They're made to blow out. Yeah. So they're designed. That's the weak link that it's going to blow out. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen that happen yet. I hope not. <laughs> but it would just from the pressure buildup. From the pressure buildup. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no sensor for the pressure. Yeah. You're the sensor. I'm the sensor. <laughs> yeah, you can you you know by the controls or whatever if you got problems. Like like it tells you on the control panels down on the bottom if you're your air, you want to be running negative pressure, but if it gets into positive, that means you got no air going through those lines. So then then you know to shut down. So there's always things that I can look on the controls. There's and, always a, a warning sign. Yeah, that's that's mostly how we do it as dryer operators. We know by the control panel. You just have all, to be watching for it. You got to be watching, yeah. Sitting at your controls, watching it. And yeah. <laughs> I could see how it'd be easy to be complacent. It is, yeah. You can get really complacent. Yeah, you can really not pay attention and <laughs> fall asleep. But it's good just to keep always your eyes on the on those equipments or the computer screen or yeah what's the worst mishap you've seen there ah when i started off as a bagger i seen a dryer operator 
He was running the dryer. I don't know exactly what he did, but he clogged the whole dryer lines like it saw powder and he clogged them like rate cement. They had to take, they had to call people in to take all these lines down and chisel this stuff away. I don't know exactly what he did, but it was days by the time we had that thing up and running again. So that was just all calcified. He must have ran water power. through the lines. He he must uh I don't know what he did, but he it was the biggest biggest mistake. Cause you pretty much made cement there then. Yeah, I, that's exactly what that does. If you run water through those dryer lines, it will create cement. Yeah, and you're chiseling. <laughs> so you control the water. When would you put water through the dryer? You don't. Then how did water get in? <laughs> I don't know how he did it. Yeah. Water can get in through like 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 if your fire dryer is on fire and the quench goes off because there's automatically, it will sense there's a fire inside the dryer and the quench goes off. It will run down your lines if, you, if you're not there to stop it from blowing. Oh. So, so maybe that's what he did. I don't know exactly. I was just, yeah. just a beggar. <laughs> I'm but, glad I was. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, anything can happen, man. It senses that there might be a fire. It will water set. will come down into that dryer. Yeah, water will come down and put out that fire. And it's fast. It quenches fast. But that water, you have to monitor it so it doesn't run down another line. You pretty much have to stop the quench, drop the lines, and then turn back on the quench again. What's drop the lines? Like it's those lines where the powder goes through. They're big, like yeah. big, huge lines or whatever. You Is gotta, that the ones where it's hitting with the hammer? Uh, it just comes out of the bottom of the dryer and then goes through a whole line system through okay. cyclones and bag house. But if you don't drop the line, water will get every, all that stuff wet. So do you physically remove the line or what happens? Yeah, you physically remove the line from the dryer. It's, it's like about 10, 10, 12 bolts. It's kind of heavy. It's hard to oh. remove it. <laughs> Man, so you have to do it pretty quick then. You got to do it quick. Well, you can shut off the quench and then remove the line. And then you turn the quench back on. Yeah, once once the line's removed, and then your water's not going through the rest of that process. But the dryer, you I mean, you gotta clean that no matter what, and then put it through a dryer wash, would take which takes another 12, 15 hours. Oh, really? Pretty pretty so much a day you gotta wash the dryer and then blow it down on heat and make sure it's dry again and then restart again. So a fire happens, the quench goes on, you have to get rid of the line. Now what happens? You got to hook up a whole bunch of special stuff, CIP, because the dryer, you don't normally don't wash the inside of it every day. So it's a hard process. It's a 24-hour day by the time you're, you're washing the dryer and then blowing it down, making sure it's dry again. And, and then you, you turn controls on that blows it down because if you start the dryer again and it's wet, it's just going to clog up. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff you got to watch, but that's stuff you don't normally like. They normally, yeah, maybe, maybe a few times a year, they'll wash the dryer. It normally doesn't get dirty. It, uh, oh, everything's done properly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's just dry stuff there. There's dry stuff really... goes in there unless someone screws up the way they're operating, sending product to the top. You can screw stuff up like that. Not putting a nozzle together properly will wreck the dryer. That's probably the most important thing when you start up is those nozzles are completely tight. Those inner pieces are properly because if they aren't and product leaks through fast, you're going to get the dryer wet. 
So, <laughs> so those nozzles have to be perfectly they aligned. They got to be perfect aligned, yeah. And you need the nozzle to be the right diameter. Right diameter, everything, yeah. And the right measurement of the lances, because a lance could, the top, the top of the dryer, a lance could slip and then, and it could be too short. So you got to get the top proper measurement before you put those lances into the Wait, top. What's a lance? It's it's comes off the high pressure pump to the top, right? Yeah. And then you got these metal lances where you screw the nozzle on, and then you put them into the dryer and then tighten them on top of the dryer. So the metal lance is it just a long piece of metal, and then yeah. there's a nozzle on the end of it. Yeah. But you need it close enough. Yeah. To what? Ah, uh, you you just need it close enough because they'll sit inside the dryer, but you got to have the right kind of measurements. What does it have to be close to? Like if say there's four lances, it they all got to be the same coming into the dryer. But if one seems to like these metal plates on the top, sometimes they slip. So if you're not if you don't not on the ball, and then three of them are normal sitting inside the dryer, and then the one is short or something, then that can cause a fire. Or you don't have the consistency. There. Yeah, like there's one extra. Yeah, it can cause the way it's spraying from the top of the dryer it can cause there's so you go as long as you're doing your checks like that <laughs> it can be overwhelming that job but it's a lot of stuff so with the dryer is it a circular thing with four lances and at the end of the lances there's these nozzles yeah and they're spraying high pressure skim milk through it yeah and then that dryer is heating it up to 95 degrees Celsius. That's where the top of the, yeah, your inlet is. Yeah. Oh man. You can control that. See, when I send it up to the top of the dryer, I start the high pressure pump. It's going to the floor. So then I turn the inlet. I turn it to, what do I turn that to? I, I turn it right hot. As I send it to the top of the dryer, I, I wait till it gets to the proper temperature. And then I flick that switch on the high pressure pump so it shoots into the dryer. It has to be climb up to that temperature before I can send it in. Because if I send it in too low, it's going to get the dryer wet. You have to send it in at that exact spot. So you got to hit 95 degrees Celsius. That's on what it. I want, 95 when I hit the top. Yeah. And it's not always consistent, the temperature control, because of the consistency of the skim milk coming through. Yeah. So it's, 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 people get scared starting that job, <laughs> a machine yeah. up because a lot of stuff can happen. A good operator. That's what, what an engineer told me can dry water. I haven't attempted that yet. What? <laughs> like, uh, put water into a dryer balance tank and send it up through the nozzles and start it like that. You should be able to dry water into dust. Oh, the minerals <laughs> yeah, in the water. Evaporate dust. or dry that water, heat it up. <gasps> I don't know how to do I don't want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a flex though at yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, what should we call it? Yeah, that sounds good.